Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho? What is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head. 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm -hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are, some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, coming to you live from the Fish Hunt Northwest studios located here on the shores of Summit Lake in Olympia, Washington. How you doing there, mister? Man, you know, expecting a baby, uh, another one, yes. to, to enter our lives at any second. So just watching my phone to see if my oh. wife... We Text may get me. we might get interrupted with the might get interrupted, birth yeah, of the yeah. second baby Donlan coming yeah, into the you, world. If you see me <clears throat> get up and walk out, it's yeah. not it's not because I need to you know check my prostate it's like not, one like of our Herzog. previous co-hosts. <laughs> when he was here, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good point. <laughs> uh, if you uh, abruptly get up and leave, it'll be because it, there's yes. an imminent birth that's in, right. the, uh, in the Donlan household. That's so, right. So happy for you guys, man. This is exciting stuff. It is. It is. It's exciting about to times. get way more hectic. Yeah, just yeah. when you thought you were all settled in, life was just kind of on cruise control. I know. It was going you well. Yeah. <laughs> now it's going to be disrupted. It was a good run. <laughs> you had a little Thomas right where you needed him, right? Yeah. Yep. Things were kind of moving along swimmingly. Now I'll introduce baby number two. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, it's it's good stuff. Good stuff. So glad you made it here, and uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll just wait. Maybe we'll get it through the whole show, and and uh, you can deal with that. with. You know, I sure hope so. We'll I sure hope so. We'll see what happens. We'll see. So, Glad you're here. Hey, glad everybody is tuning in tonight. So um, glad to take time out of your busy schedule and check in, see what it is we got going on here uh, from the studios at Fish Out Northwest. It's been another uh, pretty busy week on the road. Mm -hmm. Getting out, getting a little hunting in, getting some fishing mm -hmm. in, and uh, we're going to cover all that. But uh, before we get too far into the show here, I want to remind everybody, hey, take a few minutes to jump on over to our uh, webpage, if you would. Check out our online store with all our merchandise. She does a great job keeping that extremely full up of all types of items that you can choose from. Uh, www.fishhuntnw.com is how you navigate to that site. And you know, Tommy, we're getting more followers signing up for our email uh, portion of our webpage uh, daily. So that's kind of exciting. Awesome. Yep. And then while you're there, go ahead and click on the FHN20 coupon for your edge rod, all edge rods through Fish Hunt Northwest. With the coupon code FHN20, you're going to get 20% off all fishing rods all the time, with the exception if they're already under some other type of special or coupon code has already been applied. Uh, you can't double down on that, Tommy. So it is, uh, it is a great opportunity, though. You find the rod that you need or you know a set of rods for the boat or whatever, you're going to save 20% on every rod, and that becomes 
quite a bit of savings for a lot of folks. Yeah, and I cannot wait to get my hands on those slow pitch jigging rods. Yep, those are coming that, next. That's where my mind is. A couple right more there. trolling rods. Um, yeah. yeah, so looks like we may have a little bit of a feed issue, but we'll try to resolve that, guys. Just let us know how it's going. Um, all right, as we navigate on through the show here, Tommy, we have a few things going on. You know, I'm not sure if you are aware, but Puget Sound. Area 11 opened up yesterday. Oh, yeah. How could you not be aware? I mean, everybody <laughs> yeah. is is posting their catch. If you follow yeah. uh, on so, some platform of social media, you're going to see lots of photos. Lots of dead Chinook hitting the decks of boats out there. Area 11 opened up June 1st. Uh, oddly enough, so the south and central Puget Sound kicks off salmon season just a little early, Tommy. The June mm-hmm. 1 opener is more than two weeks earlier than in the 2021 season. So we got that going yep. for us. And the... The summer hatchery Chinook retention and fish marine area too mm-hmm. is split into two distinct uh, time frames. Though this is what it they, is. yeah, yep. it's what they kind of came to in the agreements with North of Falcon. The first part of the season uh, open daily from June one to June thirtieth, so we get a thirty day fishery. But keep in mind these are quota fisheries, right? We have right. an allowable quota of five hundred eighty hatchery marked Chinook, and we also have a total encounter limit of four hundred thirty two wild Chinook. And 752 sublegal fish nook under 22 inches. So they're going to be monitoring that, and mm-hmm. uh, it is a quota-based fishery. Although going into it, it's a full 30 days. Right, and then you know, right on the heels of that opener um, from the first through the 30th of June, then you have the follow-on opener, which is July 1st all the way through September 30th. Yeah, a um, little bit more quota, 2,816 fish with a total legal uh, encounter, sublegal encounter of 3373 during that time frame. And the way they did this is, you know, it's in order to make sure that you can still stay within your management guidelines mm-hmm. for making sure you're protecting all of the runs that need right. protecting, right? right. Um, but still at the same time, allow for that opportunity to occur. Right. So um, great way to do it. A um, lot of opportunity here. So It gives us more opportunity on the water, again, yeah. earlier than last year. And uh, breaking it up <laughs> into those two defined or distinct seasons uh, let you know they do recognize that there is a push of fish that coming in June. Instead of just letting those all go by or not putting some type of quota opportunity on there, mm-hmm. we do have <clears throat> we do have some fish on the table. And I you know I think it's going to last a couple weeks. Looks like the um, the recruitment of folks participating <laughs> is pretty high. Yeah, I would say um, in both areas 11 and 13. 13 seems to be getting a whole lot of action here lately, and mm-hmm. there's uh, <laughs> there's a few fish around. So. Um, that's kind of what's going on. Uh, it will be intensely monitored. You can count on creel sampling and whatnot happening at the docks and the marinas. They're going to keep tabs on it because they don't want to go over quota. Right. And if you remember in the, uh, the budget, there was room for uh, bringing on more folks to do creel sampling mm-hmm. and surveying uh, at some of your marinas. So that's probably something you guys will be subjected to or uh, encounter when you uh, come in from a day on the water in these particular areas. Yeah, and just keep in mind the minimum size is 22 inches. Oh, that's right. Um, you're allowed two fish. Only one can be a hatchery mark Chinook uh, release all wild. 13's yep. kicking out some fish. We got a lot of participation. Uh, that is not to say we don't have more to look forward to. We do. We we have some, we absolutely do. some amazing stuff to look forward to. La Push, uh, Marine Area 3, Nia Bay, Marine Area 4 are set to open daily for salmon retention beginning the 18th mm-hmm. of June, and that will be a two Chinook limit. Yep. Right? Just yep. like we uh, enjoyed last year. Man, that was fantastic. Isn't that some great fish? three days out there. Yeah. Got on top of them, man. It was amazing. Lights and out. Just to be able to carry, you know, a couple Chinook, each person off the boat was just, yeah. like, unbelievable. Yep. So, and then we also have Marine Area 1 um, on June 25th. Of course, Westport, uh, they delayed that until July 2nd, but yep. that is seven days a week. 
That's seven days a week. Finally, <laughs> finally right. seven days a week. It's going to be seven days yep. a week, and all those areas will remain open through September 30th or until the quotas are met. Each one specifically, each ocean area has its own specific quota. Mm-hmm. But pretty exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and that's not all. Oh, we got that's more. That's not all. There's more. We got more. Um, you know, we've got um, the Puget Sound, Central Puget Sound opener for um, Coho. Mm-hmm. That is uh, June 16th in Area 10. Um, <clears throat> that's a lot of fun, too. That's in our backyard. And that's um, a good way to take out a bunch of light tackle, you know, and uh, get into those coho. And then, you know, for those that are also interested in, you know, where are those schnook hanging out at? That's yeah. A, that's a nice little good test fishery there as well. Good time to, um, you know, <coughs> kind of check out your electronics. Right. Get a little, uh, get everything get dialed some ideas in. To get, you know, you just find out if we have bait in the area or not. Yep. But those, you're right. Those resident coho on kokanee gear. Yep. Absolute kick in the pants. Yep, and then we've also got the Tulela Bubble oh, that's terminal right. fishery that's yep. that's opening up uh, Fridays through Mondays uh, in that same time frame. And then um, Area 13's been just continuing to go. So it's uh, it's proven it's uh, worth as of late. And there's I think there's more persons participating, mm-hmm. and I'm getting good reports of a good amount of bait that has flushed down here to South Sound, which is pretty exciting when you look at it because we not only have a number of fisheries that will be opening up as we get into mid-June and through uh, upwards you know, into mm-hmm. July, but I mean, right now we have, and we'll get into this later, but we have Summer Steelhead that just opened. Yeah. We have opportunities on the east side of the state. If you, if you can pull yourself away from here now with all that's starting yeah, to happen right, right. and run over there, this time of year I kind of find myself trying to stay over here more because things are starting to happen. As I yeah. mentioned, you still got Spring Chinook that's going off in a number of areas and fishing very well. This summer steelhead opener, uh, we'll get into that a little later, but um, my gosh, we got more fish around than we've seen in well, years. I, yeah, I know. I just, I mean, this is this is a great time of year, right? All the opportunity. Yeah. June 9th, we get another shrimp opener in the Puget Sound. Yeah, Area right? 9. Area 9. Area 9, four-hour window. Yep, yep, yep. And a couple other areas, I believe. Yep. And then, um, you know what? I mean, we are a month away from our summer crab fishery. And that's something. Right? And that's something else. So that's going to open up. A lot of opportunity. And along with that, hey, if you haven't already figured it out, June 11th and 12th this year, free fishing weekend. Mm -hmm. Free fishing weekend. So whatever is open at that time, June 11th and 12th, if they have some clam dates that they throw in that we have opportunity on, if there was crabbing open, for example, you can do all of that. And all the fisheries you can participate in absolutely for free, you will be required to have the specific retention card that goes Mm -hmm. with that specific or said fishery, whether it's salmon or, you know, if you had a sturgeon opportunity or whatever, halibut, you can go out on the ocean fish for halibut without a license as long as you have your retention card. Yep. Yeah. Pretty pretty fantastic. Yeah, and it's a great way to get somebody out on the water that, um, you know, was thinking of it, but they don't want to buy the full license, you know. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity on that weekend, so great, yeah. way, great way to get new people into the yeah. sport. June 11th to 12th, weather is starting to kind of turn. We got about three days of rain, you know, showers and mix coming. But after that, it looks like we're finally going to maybe get over that hump. It has been cold. It's been it's been really horrible. I mean, if I it has at, been horrible. If I, I I mean, I judge it by the halibut openers, right? And how yeah. many halibut openers have been blown out? And I think, you know, this upcoming Saturday is is still not looking favorable. And I think we're going to be up to about six openers that have been blown out mm-hmm. and people haven't been to get, you know, they haven't been able to get out, get offshore and get their halibuts. So. Which means, you know, they'll extend us with some days right. and we'll get out there with nicer weather and, you yep. know, possible great opportunity to go fish halibut in some nice weathers, double down on some salmon days and halibut days. Right. That is a, you know, a, yep. a, a good problem to have. Uh, BMAC's asking, where at on the east side? We're going to talk about Roosevelt and Banks Lake here in a little bit later on the show. Triploids, Kokanee and Walleye. 
But um, yeah, just a lot of really good opportunity around here. Oregon is going off. Got a number of rivers down there, just mm -hmm. really uh, on the opener for summer steelhead as well. Guys reporting they haven't seen this many fish since the mid 80s. Yeah. I take all this in from different parts of the region and look at how these fisheries are performing. And I get excited because that really kind of, um, you know, stands up to what was being said earlier uh, in the year as it referred to ocean conditions and what they're yeah. seeing, right? Yep. And if that's going to continue, <clears throat> I think we can look forward to a good summer into fall lots of opportunity a lot yep. of these fisheries are going to perform well mm -hmm. and when fisheries are performing well it spreads pressure <clears throat> out all over the place yeah uh, as herzog used to say you're almost frozen with indecision because you got you got to figure out where you want to go and what you want to do oh right? maybe you are i know where i'm going <laughs> yeah. well <laughs> there, are there are options there are options in about a month's time i'm yeah. going to be looking forward to the tuna showing up as well yes you absolutely know? and we did get word from mark coleman here today that yes good um, point they, uh, the Tawny Ray and Westport Seafoods has gone out. They have been able to get some anchovies, mm. kind of the first set that they brought into the pens, and they're now able to sell some live bait. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we didn't see any anchovies last year. That's why I'm mentioning it, right? Yep. Um, and the tuna fishing, I mean, to put it bluntly, it, it sucked. It was okay? horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, so I'm really hoping that, you know, with the first sight of anchovies, that that keeps rolling. We get more and more anchovies. Um, and I'm not, I'm really not worried about the cold water conditions mm -hmm. that are out there right now. I mean, obviously it's good for salmon, sure. but I think it can be good for tuna as well. Right. And the reason that I say that is when you go back and you look at some of the banner years that we've had in the 2000s, uh, early 2010s, I mean, those were phenomenal tuna years and yeah. we had some cold water conditions then too. And good salmon. So fishing. that's not an indicator yeah. on how the tuna run is going to be. That's so a good point. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think we're going to have a lot of opportunity in a short amount of time. I think if we continue to find uh, great, you know, pockets or indications of forage fish and bait and mm -hmm. balling up and welling up in certain areas and the ocean, you know, continues to perform as it is, yeah, you're right. I, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're anticipating those numbers that are coming in. Look how far under they shot the, the Springer forecast. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. And so I can't wait to see what's next that they under underestimate right. because right. it just bodes well for opportunity and more opportunity yep. and more opportunity. So, uh, yeah. Hey, Chris, nice to see you on here. Uh, Deepwater Lings. Yes, absolutely. Um, BMAC already mentioned where we're going to be on the east side. Uh, this looks like the feed is much better. Ray Paul, yes, problem is affording the gas to get there. We're going to have potentially an amazing year in opportunity and all these, you know, spotlight fisheries that are going to be going off. And it's going to be like, well, can I afford to go here? Can I afford, or can it? I afford yeah. to go here? Right. Uh, and it's not just the gas. It's the food. It's the hotel lodging. Well, yeah, it's, it's everything. It's everything yeah. accumulated. Everything so, is up. Yep, yeah. everything is up. All right, let's get into this. we got lots of info to get through tonight, Tommy. So running down the show, just returned from the east side. I spent five days on the road. It was turkeys, triploids, and walleye. Oh, my. This is some great uh, topics of discussion Tommy and I are going to have when we come back from the next break. Also, back in the bait lab. It's summer on uh, steelhead season, folks. Coon shrimp are a great option for these aggressive fish. Options in presentation that are proven for success. Going to bring that to you tonight because oftentimes people are asking, how do you rig these things to fish them? Well, we're going to show you right here. Uh, then we're going to check in with our buddy Kyle Bushelman, uh, Willamette Valley Outfitters. Depot Bay is kind of going off the charts here, Tommy. Fishing bottom fish, lingcod, and yes, even Chinook. And even crab. Is, and even crab is happening <laughs> right now. And we still have a day or two left of uh, retention sturgeon that we're going to also talk to him about before uh, he gets out of here. And then we'll close out the show with 
a very special guest who drove all the way over here, more so probably because he's fishing steelhead. <laughs> and yeah. he may want to talk steelhead. Yeah. And he also needed a place to sleep. And yeah. I said, well, why don't you just join us on the show? Right. I'll wake you up from your nap, and you can come on staggering right. in here. Who could it possibly be? I guess we'll see when we come Let's back. Let's see if anybody so, can figure that out I'm in the sure comments. I'm sure they may figure it out in the yeah. comments. Let's see what we come up with. All right, that's going to get us through there. Glad everybody's joining us. Uh, go ahead, throw your questions up, comments, concerns, let us know. We will try to be as interactive as we can here on the feed as we get through tonight's show. Jumping out for a two-minute break or so. When we come back, walleye, uh, what did I say? Uh, Triploids, walleye, turkey. Triploids and, and turkey, turkey are yeah. on the menu right here at Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975 providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Hey, welcome back here in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin. And yes, yes, a handful had guessed it. Pretty easy, even though I put you in a big... Yeah. Yellow head and smiley face on the old uh, Facebook post there. Bill, how oh, you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. Yeah? I'm pretty aped because uh, we have some really good summer run steelhead happening all over the place. And uh, for the last four or five years, we've had almost none. Right. This is unbelievable. we got so many great fisheries, but of course, I am the most excited about my summer run steelhead coming back. Yes, you are, and we're going to yeah. really delve deep into that later on in the show. Uh, we're going to talk about these colder conditions and what we've been experiencing, but yeah. the side note on that is the water levels going into the opener. Yes. Unprecedented. I mean, literally, the day before opening day, almost twice the volume on some of our local rivers that we're accustomed to when we used to be subjected to that first Saturday mm -hmm. in June opener. When you look at those historically twice the water volume, which I think mm. is making a huge difference. So I, I think I think it boils down to we've had so much snowpack this year. There's the other right, side. I mean, we've had yeah. more snow mm -hmm. than I can remember in a long time. And plus, it's been really rainy yeah. and cold. And you put those two things together, we got higher water. Mm -hmm. Fish like water. Mm -hmm. They like cold <laughs> like water. water. <laughs> they like lots of cold water, too. Yes, they do. So I, yes, I, they I think do. that's doing nothing, but it's also flushing out smolts. Mm -hmm. Everything about it is wonderful. Yeah. So we'll, we'll delve deep into that later on the show. But hey, uh, everybody want to welcome Bill Herzog to the show. He's no stranger to studio and jumping in from time to time when Tommy is on the road and out there having fun. But mm -hmm. speaking of on the road, Thomas, you know, I just returned back from the east side. I had left the boat over there. 
from going over a week or so ago uh, at Buddy Richie Herod's place, Herod Outdoors, and because uh, I knew I was going to head back over to do a little turkey hunting. Yeah. And um, my mid-May turkey hunt opportunity got sidebarred just because I decided to wake up with a fever one morning, you mm-hmm. know, so I had to cancel on Eric Broughton, and uh, apologies to him because we always have a really good time, and that dude is freaking dialed. Dialed. So, I know. Um, I know. But I took what I learned from Eric last year, my first true turkey hunt with uh, some type of, you know, uh, firing pin device versus Mm -hmm. uh, throwing an arrow at him, which I'd done before in the fall. And uh, got out with Eric and uh, Jordan and I was over there and, you know, got two birds in one day. And just the way the birds were acting, May 2nd, early in the season, two weeks into that opener and... And just what I was exposed to and how they reacted to calling and just got on a rope, come marching right in, could care less, and you're right. able to set up. And, I mean, I remember throwing my that 410 shotgun up like he's 40 yards away, almost looking right at me. I put the gun up and just, you know, shot him in the face. And right, was and he like, was like, oh, over. what's that? Oh, so no big deal. <laughs> um, just a little bit different this go-around. First of all, went over there, met up with uh, new buddies of mine. The four season fighter guys, you guys have seen them on the show. Tim Cowan and uh, and uh, Mike Groff, fantastic persons. Uh, Zach couldn't be there; he had to work. But um, just uh, just an absolutely amazing couple of days with these guys, and uh, just hanging out, talking, hunting, fishing, fellowship, getting out in the woods, hiking around. And uh, first of all, I'm greeted with a table full of just ridiculousness. I mean, uh, I seriously. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, they give me all this stuff. I got another nice. Uh, now I have uh, two 410 shotguns. Was anticipating that, but they got me that, that Mossberg pump 410 shotgun. That's going to be Harper's first uh, shotgun. And uh, just a lot of other stuff. Decoy, chair, you know, pack with seat, <clears throat> and then a bunch of turkey calls and ammo and just, and that, that flag. That flag, though, that flag is phenomenal. That handcrafted flag uh, they had specifically made for me in my retirement and my Central Pierce logo on there. And at the bottom it says Battalion Chief Dwayne England. My start date of May uh, um, 8th, 1989 to May 8th, 2022, 33 years of uh, service. I mean, I looked at that. I was just like, oh, my God, you guys don't, don't need to do this. But right. You held it together when they pulled that I out. I held it did together. You, did you? Uh, you know, it was close. But I, that is that is it. I, I would not have. Yeah, I it's lied. all lacquered in. I mean, that is wood carved. I know. And it's got yeah. the waves in it. You saw it in the house. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, I, I just want you to know, though, I was I was five years old when you started. Uh, You're welcome. With the fire service. Yeah. Just <laughs> well, FYI. And, I, and I was 23, so, you know. Um, yeah, it was a good run. And those guys, to put that up and just, you know, give me all that stuff. So that was completely unexpected. But back to the turkey hunt. You know, the first mm. morning was uh, awesome. We, uh, we ended up in a ground blind. Uh, daylight comes. The birds start getting noisy. You got birds behind you, birds to the mm-hmm. left, birds to the right. All the gobblers going off. The hens clucking. Just communicate, do their morning deal. Then they get out of the roost and hit the ground and start moving. And you kind of, you can take that all in. And if you're successful, we had a handful of birds move into the decoys out in front of us, but only one of them committed to Jake. The other one stayed off to the periphery and couldn't really ever get them to draw them in, you know. And so we kind of took, you take notes, right? You kind of pay attention to what they're doing and paid attention to what those birds over there were doing. And mm-hmm. that helped us to put a plan together for the next morning. And so the next morning, Mike broke off, and he went off over to that other dirt field. So some of these fields have recently been plowed. 
Okay. And um, so then birds are going to go there, dig and scratch. Sure, and, right. And eat in right. the morning, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So you pattern those birds. Those ones come out of the roost. They head right to that field. We took pictures of that guy going out with the spotting scope the next, that first yeah, morning, right? Yeah, I saw and, that. Yeah, so, uh, hey, Mike hunkered down along the fence line in the tall grass, and that's the other thing right now. I mean, the grass is three feet tall. Uh-huh. Then birds, if they're not fanning out, they disappear, like, really quick. So um, he set up over there, and Tim and I went up in the ground blind, and the birds started chirping and doing their thing and cackling, doing whatever, and uh, those birds jump out. of the, I actually watched Mike's birds fly out of the roost, huh. hit the ground, and in about 10 minutes, boom! <laughs> Got him. That, uh, that Tom went right to that field, and uh, he was able to be successful and put that one down. The birds behind us, where Tim and I were sitting, they never committed, man. It was 180 mm-hmm. degrees difference. And the mm-hmm. only thing that changed was morning one, we had good sunshine hitting the ground pretty early. The second morning, we had cloud cover. Sun never really broke out, and those birds just were not as active. Vocally, prior to getting out of the roost, they were you know doing their thing. But once they hit the ground, man, it was... It was quiet. Now, so, you had watched, so th- those birds that were, you said they were behind you, but you were set up because, in that location, because they were going to walk into that field, right? And you were set up to get them in that field. We actually moved the blind for morning two based on where they came in and what they did morning one. Okay. So we moved the blind over to a better vantage point that when they would come up the hill and, and crest the top of that hill and head to those decoys, we were in a better position. Okay. Are and you they, calling at all? Yeah, oh yeah. Tim, Tim's uh, on the on the on the uh, scratch box. So yeah, so they hit the ground. They they silence themselves. You guys are still trying to scratch them up, so, trying to get them to come in. They go through cycles. They're vocal in the tree. They hit the ground. They might be silent for a little bit. Then they start talking again. The hens start clucking and doing some calls, mm-hmm. and then the gobblers start gobbling, and it's kind of this back and forth, back and forth. And you can tell they're moving. They're either getting further away or closer to you, and they're very active, and then they might go silent for a bit. So you just stay silent. You mm-hmm. don't overcall. It'd, like, it'd be like overcalling on elk. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking about. You're waiting mind, for yeah. them to show their hand. Yeah. So then they're going to make a noise, and if it's a hand cluck or a little scrape or something, Tim's going to mimic that, you know. And, uh-huh. and there's, I mean, my gosh, I have a pack in there now with all my Phelps calls and all these calls these guys gave me. I mean, there's so many different types of calls now. It's, you know, right. slate, whatever, read calls. You just you got some options. But uh, we progressed through that morning, and it just it didn't happen. So we went to another location we're driving down the road, and here's this water bird standing over here in this this uh, area in these trees, and they're pretty active because you roll down the window and yell at them, and they all respond, right? Yeah, and yeah. Then, like you clap your hands, and they all respond. Honk the horn, right? and they're all there. Yeah, yeah. so we circled back up and around, <laughs> went back up in the woods and set up, and uh, Tim waited until he heard that hen, that lead hen, make a cluck or, or some type of noise, and then he mimicked it to a T. I mean, he was so good about duplicating whatever she was throwing mm. out couple clucks a little scrape and she's like is that somebody okay and then she gets a little more vocal and you can you can just hear it man she's like getting pissed off right and so he does that <laughs> goes a little more intense and then she's elevated so you're really calling her out yeah. and if she starts moving those toms are going to follow and they all start just going so that so that's interesting let me ask you this because so I, I didn't I mean I'm not, I'm not a turkey hunter yeah um, don't know much about turkeys I didn't know they had a lead hen mm-hmm. number one mm-hmm. um, I, I have mean one that's in my similar house. to I, I yeah, yeah sure you I do her, I know her name too and um, <laughs> I mean that's kind of like sim- similar elk right yeah. you got an elk herd you got a lead cow right yeah. except the difference is you know with elk the elk hunting calling progression you're you're calling to the bull right 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 so you're trying to get the bull's attention 
is this, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, Tim calling for the, the lead hen. And do they ever, uh, are they ever calling to the toms? Or is it just focused on trying to get that hen to come because the toms will follow? Getting the hen reaction and having the toms follow, who get very vocal as well. But you're not out there doing gobbles. Right. It'd be like, so in hunting elk, we, you know, you never, you never bugle. Yeah, just right. Talk right. to you the cow. Yeah. So he's just basically talking to the hen. Okay. And it's it's chirps and it's uh, it's you know it's longer duration uh, uh, scratches and um, what I kind of uh, surmised it to was that annoying five year old yeah. that is copying yeah. you, right? It's like it's funny at first. And eventually it really starts getting on your nerves uh-huh. and pretty soon you're just like, I'm going to go over there and tell her or him to, you know, shut right. the heck up. Right. right. So those hand, that hand starts moving, the jakes are coming, the toms are getting extremely loud. And I'm, I'm hunkered down against this tree with branches in front of me. Tim is sitting back over there, much like you would for elk. Right? But you still have a shooting lane. I mean, you had some branches on I one do, side, but you have a shooting lane, right? When the turkeys get out in front of me. Right. Now, I'm not going right. to shoot them, you know, down, down range, but... So um, when you when when you're hunting with buddies who have been doing it for like 15 years, yeah, and this is year two, and they say, okay, it's very important that you don't move. Yeah, very important you don't that you don't move. You got to yeah. understand the creature you're up against here, right? Right. So after I realized how important it was that you don't move, um, that means anything. Like don't even blink your eyes, right? Right. Right. Why? Because you always hear that turkeys can see very well, mm-hmm. right? Turkeys can see very well. Well, I'm always interested in finding out what is it that I am up against. This is the smartest dumb bird you'll ever compete mm-hmm. with. What am I in for, right? Well, first of all, we have a field of vision of 180 degrees. Yeah. Okay, turkeys have a field of vision of 270 degrees. If they turn their head slightly, they've just seen 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense, much mm-hmm. like some of our bigger hooved animals, right? Right, right. Um, the other thing is they have more rods and cones than the human eye and see a wider color spectrum to include UV. And so, when do we use UV? All the time. Okay. So when I want to draw turkeys in, I'm using UV, right? And some garlic <laughs> tuna. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> they can see, I mean, crystal clear, better than 2020, up to a half mile. And the other thing that you can't dismiss is their hearing. They got big holes in their head, right? I noticed uh-huh. that last year when I killed those birds. I'm like, man, they got a, it's like somebody shot them with a 22 in the side of the head. Uh, 400 yards. So if you're sitting there mm. all cameled out and stuff and you cough and it doesn't sound like anything that's supposed to be there. Yeah, they're going to know. They're just, they're just not even going to take a chance. So these birds are coming in on a rope. I mean, these birds are worked up, which is interesting because we're hunting May 29th. Yeah. Towards the end of the season. These birds have been exposed to a whole lot, and these things are fired up and coming in. And so I'm sitting there with some branches down, and I'm thinking, because I didn't have the conversation I needed to have with Tim prior to, so decoys over here, birds are coming here, and uh, I'm sitting there with my little 410, and I'm thinking I should probably put this up into my shoulder, so when they get out in front of me, I can nice and nice and slowly just raise and, and shoot. Mm-hmm. So I do that, well, I kind of set it up in here, and this fir branch is hanging down over my mm-hmm. red dot. <laughs> so I go, okay, so I reach up real slow, and I break that little branch out of the way. You, I, you might as well have rattled a tin can. I, right? I might as well mm-hmm. got up and yelled at him. Tim's over there to himself, don't, just grinding his teeth, right? <laughs> the birds basically turned around and walked away. And then those guys got up, they came over, and they're just shaking their head. I go, what I do? You move. You move. I you told, told you not that, to move. That? Oh, yeah, that. Laser focus, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. 
one little instance. And so, <laughs> idea, so Tim, Tim goes, ideally what we want is these birds to come in, you not move, don't even do a thing. Wait till they focus on that decoy and they go to attack it and beat the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. And when they have turned around and they're putting their feathers to you and you can't see their head, that's when you shoulder and wait till they spin back around. Once you see their head, now you can shoot them. And I'm sure. like, that conversation would have been valuable that makes 20 a lot of minutes sense. ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> it makes, it's crystal clear now. I mean, turkey you know, on turkey as, crime. as a hunter, I'm right. thinking, you know, hey, man, it's, I got to be ready for when they come in. Well, but you just know, I let them. I mean, but there's so many parallels to that too, right? Because yeah. I think a lot of, um, you know, a lot of archery guys for that are that are hunting bull elk, um, they think that you know I've got to I've got to conceal myself, right? I've got to hide behind a tree or a bush. But if you hide behind a tree or a bush, you don't have a shooting lane, right? right? So the elk can walk up right on the other side of the tree, and you can't draw, I and know. you you, you can't yeah. shoot, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be in like that position where, you know, your background is broken up, but you have a good shot. And, you know, I mean, one of the other things, too, is you got to, when you get in a position where you're going to sit in, you have to think about, like, you have to expect the unexpected, sure. right? Um, Always. And so you have to have that shooting lane or you have to have that mentality that, okay, what if the bird comes out over here? Mm-hmm. What if it stops here? What if it comes out over here, mm-hmm. right? And kind of play all those scenarios in your head to be prepared for And I do because you got time to kill at times. You're right. sitting there waiting and you need to take that all in. You're right. You need right. to expect the unexpected. Uh, I now know it's crystal clear. It's like I understand the game plan. Now. I understand the decoy, mm-hmm. the role of the decoy, if you use one or choose to use one. I understand exactly <clears throat> what you can and can't do, especially late in the season when these birds are so on high alert. I mean, talk about a huge learning curve for me. I mean, year two, I didn't bag a bird, but I'm telling you, man, what the value of what I took away, yeah. hanging around with guys that really know the game, uh, just, uh, you can't, it's it's unbelievable. So, um, we got more to talk about on the east side, but we're going to save that for a little later in the show. We got triploids and side planers. Are they working? Uh, yeah, I'm here to tell you they are. What happens when you forget all your bait? Mm, good question. you're focused on hunting, you've left the boat on the east side, you're going back. What'd you leave at home? There's always something. No, I have a checklist, man. I have about a 20 tab Excel spreadsheet <laughs> and I do not forget my stuff. Right. This is I where I need a, to get to. Yes, okay. yes, yeah, yeah. So forgot the bait, forgot certain lures, but you know what? We recovered, had some, uh, had a positive outcome. Our buddy, Matt Messing, met me over there. I saw that. First got walleye got he's ever whopper. put in his hand. Very first walleye of his fishing career. And of course, he's, he has spent the last month chasing lingcod. Right. So right. he's holding this thing, looking at all the teeth going, it's a freshwater link. It's cut. a freshwater link. Yeah. Look what Your I cousin. got, eight-pound fish, right? So he was stoked. But uh, we'll uh, we'll get into that later on uh, in the show. We do have some great takeaways from there. And what is going on over there at Roosevelt mm-hmm. and uh, in Rufus and other areas right now? Is it cold? Is it warm? Are the walleye starting to get on the bite? Temperature has a lot of impact on the way these fisheries mm. are performing, especially over there. And this gentleman sitting to your immediate right lives on that east side and might have mm. a thing or two to say about that. So, uh, all right, what we'll do, jump out for a couple minute break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, come back. We're going to be in the bait lab. It is steelhead season, Bill. Summer it on, is? Summer on steelhead season. All right. I also know you have a, you've taken a liking to my coon shrimp. And we made... I made that very clear years ago on Old Northwest Wild <laughs> Yes, Jersey. you did. And uh, I, I believe I showed dozens and dozens of very well-established anglers on the east side wanting to know why mm-hmm. I was hooking my boat, was hooking mm-hmm. so many more fish, and it's nothing I was doing. It was something that you were doing. Something we will continue oh, yeah. to do. And with that, we will uh, jump out for a couple-minute break, and we'll be back in studio right after this. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. 
Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our clients' security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Hey, welcome back here in Studio Fish on Northwest, and we have a familiar voice on the yes, other end of the phone, Yes, we do. Uh, Kyle Bushelman, uh, Willamette Valley Outfitters, no stranger to the studio. Matter of fact, Kyle, as I've reminded folks often, was my very first in-studio guest on our very first show. Yeah. Back in the day, weren't you, Kyle? That's right. Yeah, it was a good time's flying by. Oh, man, buddy. Yeah, well, glad to uh, pin you down this evening and get some intel out of you because it's always solid. So you're out there, uh, Depot Bay, for bottom fish and lingcod. Um, yes. Let's talk a little bit about that area for people who are unfamiliar. Talk about the <laughs> kind of depth of water and the structure, structure on the bottom and what you're looking for to locate those fish. Well, there's, we have a pretty good reef out of Depot Bay and off, off Lincoln City there that's just full of fish. So it's nice. You don't really have to travel too far if you want to stay close to port. Um, the reef I fish is north a bit, and we're fishing anywhere from 110, 130 foot of water for the lingcod. That seems to be a really good spot for the fish that are bigger than that 22-inch range, which is our minimum length. Mm. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of them. They're biting good. Some days we'll get some big ones that are in the teens, you know, in terms of size and then days that we you know we're catching a lot of 26, 30 inches, but, um, you know, those eat just fine. And then the rockfish are all over the reef as well. Um, we're jigging for those, you know, different types of grubs and stuff like that. And you know, like, I don't know, minnow jigs and stuff like a Nordic jig, something similar to that. Um, they, they doing a lot of mooching for the lingcod to start. And then I usually, if I have guys that are really, want to they can jig we'll use some big old squids and stuff like that and drop them on the bottom six ounces eight ounces um it's pretty good fishing and lots of it too so it's kind of nice to have fish tacos and just give get people limits of fish every day so that's kind of the bonus amen to that fish taco sounds good to me Doesn't that sound yeah good? that sounds <laughs> good absolutely um hey kyle you yeah. know 
so you're you know you're fishing bottom fish, link cod, rockfish, um, sea bass, etc. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, are you using your electronics when you're out there? Like, are you, you know, especially yeah. maybe, maybe it's more of a rockfish game for you. Are you trying to locate that school before you even drop? Maybe walk yeah. us through that program. So with, with, with wing cod, I don't need to necessarily see fish on the screen because they're tucked into the bottom tight. I'm looking for structure. And so I have a Garmin and I got the quick contours on and recording so I can see my depths and those pinnacles and all those little spots on the bottom that will hold fish. Um, if we see fish, that's a bonus, but I have a few spots that just seem to lean cut or there. Now, when we're using the, when we're fishing for uh, the rock fish and we're jigging, you know, and we're looking for the schools, there are certain areas I'll go to and I'm going to cruise very slowly until I find those big, the white screen turns orange and red, then we stop and we start dropping our stuff. Um, we've in the mornings, we've been having a lot of bass on the surface, which is fun. That mm. makes it easy to find them. You know, we just cast out there and reel in and it's a lot of fun on light gears. So you just pitch in a, a soft plastic on a jig head, one ounce or something yeah. when they're on surface one, like that. One ounce to one and a half, mm. um, and a little grub or anything, uh, uh, just rubber swim baits and stuff. And I'm using fire gel on them. I'm a big fan of that. Nice. Always put a little scent on there, and it seems to work too. Oh, yeah. But they'll hit. Just I mean, there's times the rockfish bite. You have to work for them a little bit. You can see them down there schooled. And I mean, when we had all the uh, the crab larvae out there, I mean, it it was kind of tough to get them to hit a jig. Mm. You know, yeah. they were gorged. So right. I mean, you kind of have to move around a little bit. And, talk about that. But, uh, talk about those lingcod. As far as if I, you know, I got a boat, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out there and find that find that reef and start fishing on these lingcod. What uh, kind of length of rod, weight of rod, how much weight am I putting right. on there? You know, what do, what do I need to set myself up? Well, the, for, for jigging for the lingcod, I'm using, uh, I got like uh, six foot six rods. They're pretty medium stout, the Trevalas. And um, I also got some striker rods that I'm using, or, you know, the, my spinning rods, which are also about six foot rod. Um, very stiff with a, you know, little lighter on the tip so we can jig. They need to be able to handle eight ounces. At least the, the casting rods do for the lean cuts. My spinning rods, I don't, very rarely do I fish more than four ounces with them. Um, but, you know, something that can handle. I like a line counter. That mm-hmm. way I can get my guys close because there is a current out there. And even with experienced guys, you can miss the bottom sometimes because it just, you do, you know, you're dropping it, you know, and it's not smooth on the drop. And sometimes we get a lot of scope out there and it could be a problem, but it's, I use braided line. I use a 50 pound braided line and then I tie a bumper on there, um, of 25. Mm-hmm. That way I can actually break off, <laughs> you know, if I get stuck on the bottom and I don't lose, you know, I'm not, you know, breaking a rod or something with the braid. But I like, I like with that depth having no stretch. Yeah. So it's important for that. And then, um, you know, it, it don't hit a lot of things down there, but I, I personally like running a six ounce jig, like a, with a squid bait down there for the wings. Um, I don't do a lot of shrimp flies on my stuff. Mm. Some guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to just, you know, some of the bass rods will, will run those. We'll run in like a three ounce jig. I'll run shrimp flies on that line too. But when I'm doing after lanes, I tend to just have my bigger jig or a mooching rig, which is six ounce inline weight. And, um, 
running herring, which is really effective. And, you know, I like that because that rod loads up. You don't need to set the hook on them. You just kind of come tight and fight them in nice and easy. And hook to land ratios are pretty good with the with mooching herring on the bottom. Right. Um, we get snagged less doing that for some reason. It's just the nature of the way we're presenting the bait. Some days we can, it can get expensive out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, lead, lead's mm-hmm. expensive. No so, doubt. Yep. Um, but it, it is, you know, it's a two fish limit for us in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, we've been, what we've been doing this time of year, um, the, the rock fish are kind of bonuses. We're getting our link cod limit and then we're going after salmon because we're having a pretty good bite out there for Chinook. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a perfect um, segue. Great segue. Yeah. Huh? How about so, that? Mind reader. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was perfect, Kyle. Yeah. This, this Chinook fishery, this is, um, you know, for somebody that doesn't frequent those waters, it's news to them. Um, you right. got a June Chinook fishery. So why is it in June? Which run is this? And how's it going down? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it varies every year. There's a lot of feeder fish in there. That are, there's a lot of bait in the water. Um, every year we seem to have a decent amount of Chinook. There could be some local fish that are, you know, springers that are going into the Celeste and the Stucca. You know, we do have a springer run on some of those rivers. But the bulk of these fish for the fish checker, they're Sacramento bound fish oh, wow. that are up go. along the Oregon coast feeding and chasing the schools of bait. And, um, there's, I mean, I had good buddies out yesterday and they asked me where to go. I pretty much told them exactly where to go. And I got sent two great photos while I was out surgery. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> some nice Chinook. Yeah. So we're really nice. Heading fish. back. Yeah. Are, yeah. And, quality uh, Chinook. The, the Chinook, those Sacramento fish are big. Yeah, Whatever yeah. California's doing whether for their fish down there, they're, they've always ran pretty big. I mean, the other day we had a couple that were pushing 25 pounds, and oh, that's, that's a good nice. fish. Uh, real quickly, so, Kyle, just kind of walk through the progression on what your approach is on the Chinook, you know, depth of water you're targeting, where you're finding them. they on the deck. they suspended. Is this a bait fishery, hardware? What's your troll speed? Well, I um, the, the troll speed changes based on um, the current and which way I'm trolling. This time of year, we have a pretty good ocean current, and I, I like to just troll with it. I'm an idle speed, kind of with a good angle. I'm running usually 16 ounces of lead um, and 14s out the back, and okay. I'm not fishing all that deep. I'm, I'm running, you know, above 50 on the line counters. Most of our fish have been 31 to 35 on the line counter which is kind of random to me, but it's working. So right. I'm still, I'm, I'm doing it and I like herring. So I'm fishing my herring is fire brine. It's a pretty simple system, you know, natural fire brine. And it's just, it's durable and, it, and, and it, it's good. I like the water temperature is good. It's 51 right now. Those currents will change too. And we'll get cold and the bite will kind of back off a bit, mm. but we have really good temperature and you know, I'm not seeing tons of bait on the graph, but these fish are loaded with them. So we're, mm-hmm. I'm start. I like, there's a couple areas out there that I troll, but for the most part, we kind of start at 150 and head west until we start banging fish. And it seems to be the way it's working. And um, it's not a lot to it. You just kind of, you got to be out there putting in the time to get them. But, uh, you know, the numbers that we're getting, I would rather be out there doing that than chasing springers. We're catching more fish. <laughs> so Yeah, right. Quality um, fish, too. Yeah. I mean, my I mean that kind of blows my mind a little bit. You're out there in 150 feet of water, but you're catching them in that, you know, top, mm-hmm. you know, top portion of the water column. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Man, what a beautiful fish. I want I want a June fishery like that. Okay. <laughs> I know. Dropper lead, no <laughs> yeah. downrigger. Right. Don't, don't we all? Oh, right. my gosh. You know, yeah. Guys, the guys that have downriggers are probably finding them, too. But most of the guys that I see out there that are fishing, we're kind of, this time of year, we don't necessarily base days on the Chinook yet. Because, you know, Coho starts June 18th, and then it's just going to be crazy. Mm. But, um and we've also released a few coho, which is a good sign too. Um, we've been seeing a fair amount of fish off the Oregon coast. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that pans out because we know we have a lot of doom and gloom in Oregon right now with Tillamook having restrictions of no right. wild fish this fall. Right. Mm-hmm. The Sayusla, which is my home river is closed indefinitely this year. No yeah. fishing. Um, but you know, you go up, the coast, you know, 30 minutes, the LC is a two fish a day, 20 a year limit. The Celets is the same thing, but the Sayusla is closed indefinitely. Winchester's mm-hmm. open too, mm-hmm. in the Umqua. So we're trying to figure that out, but it's hard because we can, Oregon, our Oregon fish are not here yet. They're up north still heading this way. So right. it's kind of tough to, tough to say what what we're seeing now is going to be indicative of what's happening in the late fall so and you know august september stuff like that so well and that's not that's not the only salt um opportunity you have but wait there's more (laughs) they got some more things you also have crabbing opportunity as well i understand Uh kyle talk to us a little bit about that program we do and the crabbing's not bad it hasn't been very good out of depot bay where i go and i i think a lot of that is related to the commercial fleet really did their job and but mm. that those the crabbing for us gets better um as the crabs kind of get softer again and they've had some time we start seeing some more crabs again then it's good through the fall um i had pots out the other day we didn't do the best but the guys that are up north in their pacific city mm. are doing great the commercial fleet doesn't tend to go in too close there so those guys coming off the beach there are doing well with crabs and i think guys off yaquina are doing okay with crabs too mm. Interesting. Um, that's a hell of an yeah, opportunity. We, we, I mean, when you stack that all up, you can go set in one in one Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, you can go out of port. You can set crab pots. You can go fish for lingcod and rockfish, and then head out and get your kings that are. Oh, by the way, you know, in that amazing, that, you know, high teener to uh, twenty five pound yeah, class. Yeah, I mean that's world class right there. You're not going to. We did it the other day. Size. It was yeah. really nice. I had a client of mine that fishes with me all the time, and he goes, "I want to do this." A- an everything trip. Can we do? I go, yeah, let's do it. We dropped crab pots. We went and got our lingcod right away and a handful of rockfish. Got an awesome tiger rockfish. Got some chinas. Got a little mixed bag. Got to let the quillbacks go. Mm-hmm. We got an eight pound vermilion a couple days ago. Oh, that's that was wow. fish. Massive that? fish. And then we went trolling and he got his limited chinook. So that's awesome. It was hard to beat a day on the Oregon no, coast. We're coming back with a little bit of everything. Right. So did you get a tip? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I would hope so. Should have got would, two. Yeah. yeah. Should have got two. Hey, before, yeah. uh, before we cut you loose here, buddy, um, you'd mentioned at the start of the segment here, you have, you have one more day of keeper sturgeon. How's that season right. been going? I've seen some, uh, I've seen a few pictures with you and clients with some nice keeper sturgeon this year. Yeah, well, it's been, honestly, it was better than I thought. The, the, the catch rates at the port are about one per boat, I think, keeper-wise. You know, it's a small, it's 44 to 50. We did get two days added. We got the 8th of June and the 11th of June oh, nice. added to the okay. season. Nice. Um, I'm, I won't be up for those two days just because I'm already booked up for the coast. But yeah. um, it's been pretty good. Um, we've been getting 
a handful of fish every day. One day we killed five. That was the last week. It was just, we landed on them and it was our day. Just put it that way. We didn't do nothing like anybody else, but we had a little pot of keepers and I'll take the luck day any day of the week, but we've been averaging about one keeper a day. Um, sometimes two, but we're getting a lot of great size fish, you know, a couple inches big, a couple inches small. Right. So, but it's a lot of action. People are having fun. So, Fantastic. Well, you are always uh, full of great information, encouraging, uh, to say the least, good reason for persons to hit the road, book a trip with you, and come on down and enjoy all that Oregon has to offer. Because uh, as of late, it sounds like, Tommy, quite a bit. Yeah, phenomenal. If I'm not mistaken. And with the price of gas, to have such an opportunity to get all these species in one trip. Yeah. Ta-da. Right. Lights out. So, and that's the other thing we're doing. I noticed it before we, cook. you know, my trips. I have guys that book multiple times a year, mm-hmm. and I've seen because of the cost of business for driving everywhere. I mean, if they book me for a two fifty per person, they're getting a hotel, which is a hundred, change and gas is a hundred. The trip just quadrupled in price right. for the person, and so we're they're doing less trips, so we're trying to make the trips a little bit. We're getting as much as we can in each day. If the weather and the ocean allows us to do it, we'll stay out and fish. We won't just get the limit and come in like we have in the past. We get rockfish quick, and we'll try for salmon. And with the coho season coming up, it should be lights out fishing. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we got a great summer shaping up here. Lots of good opportunity in the salt. And then as we move into freshwater late, later, early fall and uh, yeah, mid-fall, I mean, things are just – Tommy and I just can't stop talking about it. we got so much opportunity yeah. coming up here. Even Washington is going to be fantastic. It's, so It's good. And hopefully uh, the fishing – it stays good. I'm sure it will. So oh, yeah. This, mm-hmm. this fall we're all going to have to get a little, you know, little – change plans here and there but there's still lots of opportunity to go yep. fishing in oregon in the fall so i agree all right buddy yeah. always a pleasure yep. to get you on always appreciate the uh, insightful information you bring to the folks and uh can't can't wait to have you on in the near future all right man thank you have a good night guys have a good, night, buddy. Have a good we'll one all right Cal bushelman willamette valley outfitters check him out on facebook um instagram and of course uh and book your trip with him. You will not be disappointed. He may even have a few seats left open for buoy 10, but I bet you that dance card is almost full if it's not already. But it's well worth the check because that fishery is going to be extremely good latter part of August mm-hmm. for sure when we get those uh, that wild retention. So That makes they, me want to go to De- Depot Bay. It kind of does, Oh, huh? my God. It's shallow yeah. water fishery for big, gorgeous, you know, 20-plus pound Chinook uh-huh. on dropper lead. Inline fish flash in a in a herring, just like we do. Right. You know, um, it's, in, it's in, not that far of a run. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, hmm. Think Let's hook up your boat. Let's drag go. Drag the boat down there. Yeah. <laughs> May have to get on the road and uh, burn some diesel. All right, we're gonna jump out for a couple minute break. We come back. This man's been waiting patiently, and trust me, that's not easy to do. He has mm-hmm. a number of things to say. We're gonna talk summer on steelhead. We talk some east side fisheries, maybe a little triploid, maybe a little walleye. Believe it or not. Okay. Temperatures, weather conditions, <laughs> and things that you know, right? Got a question for the general, just like last time. Post him up here. We got him for about another 15 minutes. He's going to answer everything you throw at him. So, uh, oh with boy. that, oh yeah, we'll jump out for two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Back here with Bill Herzog at Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975 providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, 
offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. All right, welcome back here in studio as we wind down, close out the show. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin, and of course, the man himself, the general. Steelhead Slayer. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm just super. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh, no. We could Good to have you here again. We, we, could do the whole show, we could do the whole show in, in a British accent. Yeah, it'd wear me out. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, so you were so excited to get back on the water for Summer on Steelhead this year. And you and I talked before the season opened. I was like, Bill, you know, and I had kind of referenced it at the start of the show. Um, we have twice the water volume we usually have. Right. And I, I'm looking at that going... You know, I don't know if that's going to bode well for a good amount of fish to be in there on the opener because we've had some openers that have just been absolutely lackluster. Four right. to five hundred CFS on a, on a local creek, and you know, you get out there. There's one fish here, one fish there. Right, a lot of pressure right. and just not a lot of result. But you get later into the season, I'm like, wow, mid July things are really cranking up. End of July, wow, there's a lot of fish here. You know, some of these rivers always get really amped up when we start getting towards, nudging towards that September opportunity. Mm -hmm. Summer on mm -hmm. fishing in September is often overlooked by many. Yeah. And that could be really good. You get out there opening day this year with that much water volume and... Well, <laughs> the, the fish have to be there. Though. Right. We've had years uh, recently where we've had good water and no fish. And it just we said, oh, maybe they're late. Maybe they're, late. Mm -hmm. they're never late. <laughs> maybe they're late. Fish. We always like to say that as anglers, right? right? But it, if they're not there when they're supposed to be there, they're not coming usually, or the runs very small. This is air quote early mm -hmm. right now. Okay. Yeah. Normally, we don't, we don't see our big push of summer runs until mid month, mm -hmm. and even in the first week of July when I fished over on the coast. On I'm going to name I'm going to name rivers. Here we go. Uh -oh. But uh, when I visit the Bogusheel and the Klawa, for example, over there, right. those fish would show up for the July. Yeah. Here they are. And yep. every year they'd show up in good numbers right then and there. Uh, I went because uh, a friend of mine sent me some pictures. My sent me some pictures and said, uh, we, we hooked 11 fish. I'm like, hello, that's a whole season yeah. that we've had recently, right? No kidding. And mm -hmm. I, oh, you got to be kidding. He goes, no, all these pictures. I go, okay, I'm heading down there. Mm -hmm. So I go, to, I go down there, and, and lo and behold, guess what? It's just a cornucopia of the, of the hottest, craziest. I'd forgotten what it was like, man. Mm -hmm. It's been so many years, dude, that we've had uh, early, an early summer on Steelhead is the hottest, most amazing creature on the planet, right. as I'm concerned. When I hear all these reports of good sturgeon fishing, I heard I have all the good fishing on the, e on the east side for kokanee and all this is happening i'm just like la 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 steelhead yes. dun, 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 you know and that's that's it my brain is 
singularly focused because you take all these wonderful fish, but you know I'm I'm all about stealing. I see I'm I'm losing my mind right yeah, now. Yeah. I'm getting aged, <laughs> getting all giddy and jumping around the chair. But, but dude, yeah. uh, w w these things I have got never gotten beaten up so badly. I can't remember in the mm -hmm. last two or three trips out early in the season. These things are snapping 15 pound test leaders. They're leaping and spitting hooks and they're flying in the log jams. And I almost had one jump in the boat today. So much energy. On a slack line, just cartwheeling towards the boat. Here he comes. He Some of the numbers you're throwing out yeah. with hookups is reminiscent of like a great day of coho fishing right, in the right, fall right. when there's a good amount of fish in the river and you're like, man, we were really into them today. No, yeah. we're talking summer steelhead. Beginning of the season. Now, you would like to think it's going to continue. Right. Like that this is a big push of fish early and, you know, hopefully we continue to get them. But, uh, I mean, to start off with, and so I have an idea what you and I are doing tomorrow, right. by well, the way. I, I'll, go, I'll go back to, well, they're late, they're late. No, usually when, the, when fish are early, that means a lot. Right. I'd say, what, 98% of the time, when there's a lot of fish showing up early, that means the runs are going to be robust. A lot right? of fish, right. And I'm just... Everything's crossed, you know. That they're, is they're, more. That's what's gonna happen. That is more reliant than they're late. Yeah, they're late means when they're, they're late, not they're coming. not coming. Yeah, right. when they're early, yeah. that means a I would lot. agree. Yep. So I'm thinking this could be. I don't know if it's the ocean. I don't know if it, it, there's less uh, interception going on. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, Combination high, of all of it. Yeah, yeah. Higher water, you know, flushing smolts. I don't know. But it's all this perfect storm happening right now. Mm -hmm. And I think as anglers, especially for steelhead anglers, we have been starved, dude, for so long. You know, we, we have our, all these closures we had to eat yeah. last year. You know, it was the, the last two winters have yeah, just been It was the hardest ridiculous. time of my life. Right. And I'm sitting in March in my house going, what in the... Mm -hmm. is go, am, am I, I doing do? here? You know, yeah. I, sh I should be hiking a river. I should be floating, doing something yeah. right now. But I'm not. And so... You know, March and April came by, and I, I, I was a broken man, you know, as a lot of us were, right? We, 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 <laughs> broken I man. Go, I want to go steelhead fishing, and I cannot. And I'm not good at anything else. I can't do anything else, I can't, yeah. right? But right, so, right. But uh, <laughs> well, I said, well, when the rivers open up, I'm going to go steelhead fishing sure. just because. And to find these fish, mm -hmm. the high quality, and they're big this year. There's not little fish. I, I want to talk if, about what you're getting them on. Yeah. Uh, it's a, well, what I'm Let's I'm back up them, from that for okay. a second. Normally, when you and I talk summer steelhead, yeah. uh, we're talking uh, small jig presentations, right. maybe tipped with a little piece of prawn, maybe not because they're so aggressive. Sure. You know, you got your black and red combos that are synonymous with you in the summertime fisheries, oh, yeah. and clear cl water. And clear floats, fluorocarbon, right. you know, far and fine. Like, yep. and, and now it's just how, your... much, how much noise can I possibly make? Mm -hmm. and, and these fish, because I think it's because the water's colder, there's more flow, and uh, I, I get to throw things that I kind of enjoy a little bit. I, I, I've been throwing, I throw a spoon now and then, for steelhead and these summer runs have been eating metal like oh my goodness like like a car, trash compactors down at the down at the car shop it's just they're they're eating it man yeah it's been just fantastic you've got more summer steelhead on spoons than anything else right now yeah yeah which is I think it, it, it's a combination of the higher water mm -hmm. because I'm finding them uh, in because they're traveling now in the water and they're out in the big wider flats. Right. They're kind of staying away from the deeper holes that we find them later on in the summer. Yeah. And because the fish are up in the shallows, they're moving, they're new. Uh, a lot of the fish I'm catching are visual grabs. Uh, when you got a, a tender, a low teen fish coming, charging after your limb, you can see it coming. You know how hard it is to, to, to sit still wait for that to wait happen? For you you yeah. have to wait for it until you see right. you get this huge flash and turn mm -hmm. and the rod just 
jerks, man. I mean, you're not hanging on to that thing. It's God, well, you've you got know. some fish on plugs. Yeah, yeah. So there are some moving yes, into yes. those holes. Mm -hmm. I yeah. can't wait to get out tomorrow. We're going to drown some coon train. I can't. I'm, throw I'm, some small oh, plugs. I've got, I've got all the holes I'm thinking we're yeah. going to do that. Oh, yeah. So I, gotta, I got some spinners, too, I want to deploy out there. If they're hitting metal, they'll chase a spinner. I'm telling you, up. and well, I, I cooked one today in, honest to God, a foot and a half of water. Yeah. Well, my, you know my, why? Because they're not very tall. There you I go. Know, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> but but, uh, but we've we seen the fish. We've seen it. And my buddy Dan goes, there's a fish right there. And I go, mm -hmm. oh, so I yeah, throw out a spoon him. over there. And here's this big, bright lure in this shallow, clear water. I'm going to, it goes against everything I've ever talked about and mm -hmm. preached about and yep. learned. And that thing just turned and went, wham, and just greased it right in front of me. I'm like, wow. And it, of course, it one jump and the thing went flying spoon. over my head. But... And nevertheless, uh, this is what I've been seeing all year. The yeah. colder water, the fish are super aggressive. And when they're brand new like this, my God, they'll hit a yo-yo or a tennis shoe. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm bringing not, those tomorrow, I, too. I, I think it's whatever, Tackle you, box challenge. Yeah, whatever you want to bring mm -hmm. with you and you have confidence in, yep. as long as it's not too extravagant and too flashy and too, and, and, and too explosive, yeah. for a better word, it's going to work. Whatever you want to use. Let's change gears real quick and talk a little bit about what's going on, on the east side. So okay, okay. a lot of folks that have been heading over to Rufus, for example, a little mm -hmm. disappointed in what they're finding. I think they have high expectations to duplicate what we saw going on there last year. No, that was a perfect storm. That, that, we'll Explain to that people happened. why we understand, you know, why and the, the reasons and the mm -hmm. timing and all that it was. But what it is now, and maybe if folks don't want to go jig you know, twitch jigs by the net pins. There's some other alternatives on how to find some of these triploids in that Rufus in that Rufus reservoir. Yeah, actually, if you go up higher, up towards a, a coulee, mm -hmm. there's fish. There's wild rainbow up there, lots of them, and they're not going. There, once in a while, you'll get them in the four to five pound range, but there is a pile of these 14 to 20 inch rainbows up there that mm. really are super aggressive. A nice. guy wants to strip a fly, for example, uh, you can catch them that way. Uh, a jig, uh, twitching little jigs, is, is a great way to catch them. And those fish fight super hard, and there's lots of them, and nobody does that because right. we're so focused on going down to the pens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and catching the big triploids down yeah. there. And, but uh, the triploids now, what you're going to find are probably a six-pounder would be a big one. Yeah. They're going to be they're going to be three and four pounds this mm -hmm. time of year, mm -hmm. but I, we, we think, oh, three and four-pound yeah. trout. Yeah, it's people not big would, enough. People yeah. would die for those. Right. Oh, yeah. you, don't, right. you don't go to Rufus. That. I lost my earpiece. I'm so yeah. excited. I keep losing my <laughs> so excited. Things are falling off. <laughs> Talking of me, trail. Yeah, things are falling um, off. Of me. Yeah, you mm -hmm. think you're going to get that 10, 12, 15 pound yeah. fish. And, but I, and they do exist, but good luck getting through the smaller mm -hmm. ones. They're yeah. so aggressive. What we saw a few years ago was COVID. Right. All these fish that they'd planted weren't fished over. So right. they went through an entire right. season of growth and uh, nobody's Carry catching over. nobody's catch them. They just mm -hmm. got big and stupid. Yep. And lo and behold, when we got to go back in there, ta-da, mm -hmm. you saw that. Oh, yeah, I was that, there. That was, that was pretty yeah. amazing. Yes. And we're quite Did likely not going to see that again. Yeah. That Though a, they are, mm -hmm. they continue, the state continues to buy from Pacific Seafoods, you know, 30-something mm -hmm. thousand, 40,000 triploids a year that get released into Rufus, and they travel all sure. over. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're going to move away from those pens mm -hmm. this time of year. And that's all secondary to the natural feed that you know starts happening as the bugs hatch out and the the protein source is scattered they don't just hang by the pens and eat on the treadmill they no. they get out and go find their own stuff and forage a bit so the dams don't even stop them. i caught a big one uh a bobber and jig trying for sake above rocky reach down yeah uh, no. one morning go I'm figure like, I caught did, did you really yeah. triple it i'm like boy you, you went on an adventure yeah. wow right? uh, yeah but uh, oh did i mention 
Somewhere on Steelhead. I mean, can we go back there? <laughs> <laughs> We're over on the east side for a little oh, bit. Oh, all right. Uh, all right. You know, the triploid fishing on Roosevelt is considerably different than what you're going to do on Rufus. So I uh, was over there again this last week. Um, spent a full day out there with uh, Matt Messing, and we're, you know, I'm running my side planers on my boat, and I got those things out 100 feet either side and running gear way out away from the boat. And uh, you're marking fish every once in a while, but you're not marking a ton of fish. Because they're and, shallow, and they don't like boats. Right. I mean, <laughs> when you do mark a fish, it's probably a kokanee right now. There's a few guys that find a periodic kokanee here and there, down around 37, 40 feet, but right, right. it's very infrequent. The, uh, the lion's share of the activity is on the surface. Lots of big fish breaking the surface of the water. Ooh. And there were a handful of boats over there fishing, um, not running side planters. Guess what? You're really not getting bit all too much. Well, unless you put your stuff back. You can be 150 feet, feet back, 15 feet down. You're going to pick up a fish every once in a while. But if you have boards, you can even get the small offshores. I mean, if you want to give the side planter thing a go, start off with the small offshores and, and watch videos on YouTube and watch some of the information we put out there. And it's gonna get your gear out away from the boat. And that's the key. Put on a little bit of weight, maybe three eighths of an ounce, you know, eight feet above your, your dodger and your presentation. And uh, chances are you're gonna get bit. Now, was it on fire? No, we probably encountered about 12 fish, half, a good half of those were wild fish which uh, don't let those fool you, a good 20-inch wild uh, red band mm -hmm. is going to give your kokanee rod a nice workout. It's a kick in the pants. It's a lot of fun. Get over there if you don't have a lot of wind to fight. The side planter action is getting it done because these fish still are up shallow. Water temperature is about uh, 50, 55, 56 degrees, mm -hmm. still relatively cold. And what uh, people don't realize is your boat makes a big silhouette, and plus yeah. your motor and everything. Mm -hmm. It'll pushes them out. Pushes them way Yeah, to so get that gear out and away from the boat. Yeah. Of all the fish we caught, two of them came on the downriggers. What's that tell you? Well, so, in mm -hmm. uh, You're a horrible downrigger fisherman. Yeah, 22, 22 <laughs> feet. 22 <laughs> feet was the magic ticket. 22 feet. So, uh, oh, that wasn't it. Other than no. that, I uh, <laughs> also spent a morning fishing with Richie Herod over there for walleye on mm -hmm. Banks Lake and mm -hmm. up around Devil's Punch Bowl and out in front of uh, uh, on Steamboat and all that. Uh, went around to a handful of different areas, but there too, talking with Richie, you know, the walleye bite's just been horrible. Water temperature right. is like 53, 52, 53. He says it's cold, bumped up to 55 uh, the morning we were out there. I asked him, and for folks that are trying to figure the walleye thing out, you know, once we get up around 58, 60 degrees, these fish will get much more active. But we went out that, that, that morning targeting 18 to 22 foot of water, 0.08 to 1 on your troll speed. We're talking slow. 0.08 That's to 1, slow. almost sockeye fishing, Glacial. right? Yeah. Um, and we're running those uh, slow death rigs by Max Lure, spinning those worms, mile blade on there, and we ran through a handful of different colors. Almost every one of them got bit at one point or another. I think we had probably think 10, it's more, it's 10 bites. A, it's a presentation thing. Yeah, where, where 10 bites. Matt got that 8-pounder. Mm. We caught a couple smaller ones, but uh, it wasn't on fire by any means. There was... Um, a little flurry there for about maybe an hour mm -hmm. and then just kind of shut off. But mm. Richie's excited because for him being a walleye guy and over there frequently, he's like, this is the most action we've had in a single morning. I'm going, mm -hmm. boy, this better step up a little bit because I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be driving over there again. But right, right. it's all it all relates to this late season water temperature delay in a number of our fisheries, Fine, even on that east side. Yeah, no? so are you guys marking them on the sonar yeah, and driving got, over see them? them? Yep, right on the ground. And sure. what's interesting is some fish were suspended and would go down and check out our the, presentation. Hmm. Yep. People that down? Say, yes. Yeah. You could watch them on the sonar wow. actually go down okay. and go after. Yep. Interesting. Wow. Yep. 
Uh, I am one who doesn't believe that fish don't look down <laughs> because I've watched them. Well, uh, they, they can, but uh, mostly when salmonid, they have to turn yeah. their heads just a little All bit. All I know is see. every photo where you got a grip and grin, you got the chin of the fish in the water, and and you're taking that photo, you can look at their eyes, and where are they looking? They're like, put me back in that yeah, water. Yeah, they're, 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 they're looking down. I yeah. came down. I'm going to go back I watched here. a steelhead up there above uh, Chief Joe Dam one time in the slow water. I threw coon shrimp out there on the bottom because these steelhead were swimming around in a circle, and they literally came over, and this is a true story. The steelhead inverted, mm -hmm. went down, sucked it up off the bottom, came back up, and swam away. Just he like was, a bass. He was inverted? He was. Uh, he oh, well, well, went well, down. Well. Yeah. You don't yeah. say steelhead and bass in the same sentence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Man, but there's I, a lot of oh, truth to that. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, go to your room. Because yeah, I tons was of snow melt this year. Yes. Uh, cold temperatures, no doubt. The snowpack is going to continue to contribute. Yeah. Like that Columbia River will stay cold for quite some time. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Oh, and, and then the Chinook mm. bite's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. If you've you, you got nothing to do the first week of July, mm. go to Brewster. Go, go, to, Chal <laughs> go to Chelan Falls. There's going to be plenty of fish. Yeah. Go up it's in there. Be and a good time. It's going to be a wonderful thing. Did I mention the steelhead fishing is really good? <laughs> yeah, there may be a few. Yeah. Uh, what time are we leaving tomorrow? Uh, we're going to leave in about a half an hour. Okay. So well, there you go. go. Night fishing. So, I want hey, I want to thank you for stopping by. Unexpected, unannounced. Always yeah, yeah. the best way for Herzog to enter the dojo, right? It, it, it can be. I'm here. It's a little yeah. scary sometimes. You know? So, uh, <laughs> great to have you. Just sit in anytime yeah, yeah. you're available. You and bet, uh, looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to try a number of different uh, techniques and tactics, but we are going to find some steelhead for sure. No doubt about it. So. All right, Thomas. Well, uh, hours, minutes, or days away from the birth of your That's baby. That's right. Mm -hmm. wow. Yep, coming soon. Yeah, excited for you. So yeah, hopefully Tommy's here next week. But hey, if he's got daddy duties times two, he's got daddy duties times two. And that's just mm -hmm. the way it is. So what are you doing next week? What am I doing next mm -hmm. week? Probably not having a kid. Um, no. That he knows of. That ship is sealed. <laughs> Summer run steelhead <laughs> fishing. Summer uh, Copy that. Well, we go. may, uh, Bill Herzog may grace the presence of the Fish on Northwest Studios next Thursday as well. And Tommy may be holding a baby little girl. So here we go. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Had a fantastic time tonight. Get out and get after something. Post your pictures on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Keep us uh, uh, up to speed of what you have going on. And, and uh, if we have anything we can help you with, questions, answers, what have you, Throw them up here on the uh, the Facebook Messenger, YouTube, what have you. Tommy and I try to answer those as often as we can. So yeah, even if you have questions, you want to ask me through you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. is, there's no time restraint. Have at it, and I'll, yeah. I'll get back with you. You'll probably be back next week. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Uh, be safe. Go get it done, and uh, we will see you next week, next Thursday, 6 p.m. right here, Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page, at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.